It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. What's up, guys? Welcome again to the Athletic Asian Podcast. It's your boy, Nate, here. And we have a special guest today to talk some NBA because we have not had or really spoke about basketball a lot on this podcast recently. But we bring in Cyrus Satsas of the Lockdown Warriors podcast, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. I try to listen Thanks, to it pretty much every day whenever, whenever an episode uh, comes out. Of course. Uh, I love it, Cyrus. First off, I love the podcast. I love the energy you. you bring. Um, I try to watch as many Warriors games as I can. I'm a Lakers fan myself, but the rest of the family are Warriors fans. So it's kind of a tough situation to deal Why with. Why are you a Lakers so, fan, Nathan? Why are you a Lakers fan? What's going on there? Honestly, simply because of Kobe. Uh, I, when I was young, I just saw him play, and that kind of just Makes sense. of course rest in peace of course i love i yeah rest in, i love kobe man i you know i because the warriors are so nathan you're I mean, you're probably too young to know this like but maybe not i don't know but the warriors were a very bad team for a very long time before uh you know the, the dynasty emerged and so sometimes warriors fans like myself we need to we needed to have someone else to root for we needed to have another team to root for another player and i grew up loving michael jordan like and kobe the fact that Kobe tried to emulate Jordan uh, in terms of style, in terms of attitude, um, made me just love Kobe for that reason alone. But dude, Kobe was incredible, man. And, and I, I feel like the world is going to forever miss him. But uh, yeah, it's all good, man. I get it. I get it. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, I mean, no, no, of course. <laughs> no worries. I mean, everyone's going to miss him. He's someone that we all should look up to. Just yeah. a great guy on and off the court. And, um, you know, the Lakers will never be the same without him. But hey, we got to move on um and just you know re- remember him the best way that we can you yeah. know every year with the whole mama day and his birthday and so on and so forth um but as we shift towards the warriors here i mean let's play a game real quick yeah um, I-, I have a list here of some reasons possibly you know i hope you agree or disagree depending on what you think on why the warriors are kind of up and down this year compared to last year as we all know when they won the championship it was a pretty it was loud over here, Cyrus, in, in the household. It was loud when the Warriors won, and um, I had to sit through that painfully. But, hey, it was a good series by the Warriors, nonetheless, when they beat the Celtics in six games, as mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Yes. All right, first thing on the list, Cyrus, losing Mike Brown. Do you agree that was a factor in this up-and-down season, or is that? No? Yes. Uh, in, in, it, it's, uh, it's, it's nearly impossible to measure – empirically right like how big of an impact he had but i'll say this man like the moment he left like the moment the kings offered him the job and he accepted um i had i spoke with a couple of individuals who i consider insiders one of them being 
uh, someone who's been covering this team for a very long time, still goes in the locker room all the time, uh, who is who is interviewed and reported and done profile pieces on Mike Brown. This is someone who knows the inner workings of this team. And, and then the, the, the other individual is someone who works with the Warriors, uh, who's telling me echoing the exact same sentiments, which is that Mike Brown, uh, who had been with the team for a long time. I mean, I think he was there for six years uh, before the Kings recruited him. Um, he, he, he was like one of, if not the hardest working coaches on the staff. Uh, and he was very incremental or very important in terms of um, preparation, in terms of organization. Uh, he, he, he was one of the first people always in, one of the last people always out. He was a prototypical, stereotypical coach, the type who would like sleep, you know, in his office on the couch. Um, like he lived and breathed Warriors basketball. And to lose him, like, it was obvious that losing him would have a major impact just from that factor alone. Like, you're losing someone who was a workaholic. You're losing someone who the, everyone loved, right? The players loved him. The, uh, his his peers on the coaching staff loved him. Um, and he was absolutely, uh, you know, a, a vital piece to the dynasty. I mean, he was. I mean, Alvin Gentry was there for the first championship as the primary assistant. Uh, I think Luke Walton was there for the second year, if, if I'm getting my years correct. I can't remember if Mike Brown was there for the 73-win season or not, but he was there either for that season or the season after. And, I mean, you know, and he really – yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I, I didn't. Go ahead. Oh, I, yeah, I, but I didn't say I, so, <laughs> so to lose him was huge, man. And, and it's obvious not just in terms of the Warriors uh, defensively being a shell of themselves from the team they were a year ago. Uh, but also in the success of the Sacramento Kings have. I mean, it's their first winning season since 2006. They're probably going to finish the second or third seed. Um, you know, his his impact is 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 obvious and impactful. And uh, sorry, being redundant there. Um, I mean, you just, if you just look at his previous stints as well as a coach, I mean, he's never really failed. I know his the Lakers stint was rough, but um, o- overall, he's always been a great coach. He just wasn't a world championship coach. Uh, who knows if that'll change in Sacramento, but regardless, it was huge, man. And um, for Kerr to just take this long and be this slow to react and to, uh, you know, to adjust to the impact of losing Mike Brown is colossally disappointing, in my humble opinion, because um, Kenny Atkinson and John Malalela are the two who kind of filled in the shoes, and clearly they are they have not replicated that success. So d- long answer to your <laughs> losing Mike Brown was huge for the Golden State Warriors, and I think it shows in almost every facet. And I think uh, Atkinson almost left, too, to take a head coaching job, but he decided to stay back with Golden State. So I guess that's one plus uh, out of this past offseason. And, of course, I was going to bring up injuries, but that's kind of a, you know, that's said in itself because injuries happen to pretty much every team. You know, Steph Curry was hurt for a certain amount of time. Wiggins, as we all know, hopefully he and his family are okay. I. Do you know anything about that? Any updates on that, Tyrus? Or is it just- I'll, I'll say this. The Warriors, as an organization who, uh, at the beginning of the season, I think was was critical of themselves uh, for letting that video leak of Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole, um, they, I feel like they've certainly corrected that mistake in terms of information being leaked out because they've been really good about keeping this secret in-house. Um, so far, no one has any idea. I, all I would say is, there are a lot of rumors out there. Some of them are, are pretty ugly, uh, you know, and if you follow the Warriors and you follow the NBA and you've been following this Wiggins story, I think you have an idea as to what the rumor is. I don't need to repeat it. Uh, it's just ugly. But 
Um, I don't believe the rumors is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. I, I, no one, no one outside of the coaching staff, his teammates, and Wiggins' inner circle truly knows what's going on. The only thing we do know is that, uh, and I've said this on Locked On Warriors. Um, I had an uh, uh, an insider tell me, and I'm and I'm not reporting this as fact, just because mm-hmm. he didn't tell me this like it's fact, but you know it is hearsay. But he's also someone in the with in the organization, and he's someone who um, everything he every time he's fed me information in the past, it's been right. But he himself did not tell me this as like th- like I know this to be true. But what he said he heard is that whatever is going on, it doesn't have to do with Wiggins himself um what that means who knows like like uh it, it could be a family member it could be a friend uh that it's being impacted with this issue um i do know like a week and a half two weeks ago or maybe even less than that on his girlfriend or fiance i don't know if he's she's his fiance yeah. or girlfriend but they've been together for a very long time uh, i know she posted a tiktok that had wiggins in the video uh and nothing looked unseemly so i you know i don't I don't know, man. It, it just whatever it is, it sucks. It's been what sixteen games in a row now. He's missed. Mm-hmm. If, I don't know if that number is correct. It's it's in that ballpark. Um, it this is unprecedented, uh, you know, in in the sense that there was really no other instance instance like this in, in NBA history where a player, especially someone of his prominence, has missed this amount of time. You know, um, if for for unknown reasons. I mean, because all we're seeing on the injury report is is personal reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. No one knows truly what's going on except for those around Wiggins. Um, and there's a possibility if Wiggins does not come back by the time the playoffs start, uh, that we're not going to know what happened until uh, the exit interviews when the season's over. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, you know, the Warriors, maybe they'll they'll announce it themselves. I don't know. But yeah, it sucks. This whole situation sucks. Definitely. I mean, all we can do is just pray for him and his family and hope everything is okay. But, you know, having him out for, like you said, 16 games is definitely taking a toll on this team and just injuries in general to just everyone or personal reasons as Wiggins is right now, just taking a huge toll. But I think this is the main reason I want to bring up. And I've heard this on multiple occasions, mostly from you. I personally think it's comedic and a lot of people have criticized you for it. And the way you handle it is outstanding. (laughs) The... (laughs) The choice to have Anthony Lamb, uh-huh. Ty Jerome, who I'm sure you love dearly, Ty Jerome. That I have is. nothing personal against him. I, oh, I, I, feel, oh, no. I do. I do feel bad that like I've come out as like the perception, which is not true, <laughs> is that I'm like a hater of these two guys. Like I have nothing against them personally. They're probably really nice people. At least I, I don't know. I mean, Ty, Anthony Lamb actually has his own personal issues, so I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I won't touch that. But. Um, I, but I, I, my, my anger or my, my frustration, whatever emotional, you know, label you want to apply comes from the fact that Kerr is playing them at the, at the rate that he is. I just, I don't think that's right. When you have players on this bench who are better, I'm sorry to interrupt your question, but go ahead. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I apologize. No, um, no, I think that was pretty much the answer to it. Cause I, I was, th- I was wondering why, why is Golden State going, I guess, favoring these players instead of. You had James Wiseman, and I know this is a while ago, but the trade deadline, you traded him away to Detroit. You bring in GP2 in the process from Portland. We haven't seen Peyton yet, yet Wiseman is, he's kind of, I wouldn't say thriving, but he's getting a lot more playing time in Detroit. You know, he's seven foot, whereas the tallest man on the Warriors is Patrick Baldwin Jr., if I believe. Um, yeah, that is not, correct. He's yeah. not getting any playing time. But Kavon is... I, 
and I love Looney, Kevon Looney, of course. He's same, but he's six nine, right? Uh-huh. And you're why, in your opinion, why is Golden State going towards, I guess, small ball? Maybe I don't, I don't know the way to describe it, but it's just that we're not seeing an absolute big man at the center position or at all on the roster when you did have Wiseman and maybe you should, you could have gone into the buyout market, but we haven't seen anything uh, in regards to that. Why is that Cyrus? Well, you know, it's a great question. First of all, so James Wiseman, since he got traded to Detroit, uh, he's averaging, I just want to read his numbers real quick. Cause it's, 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 uh, it's relevant. He averages 26.9 minutes per game since, since going to Detroit. Uh, he's averaging 13.8 points per game. Um, he's averaging 9.3 rebounds. That's a solid number, right? I mean, a lot of people were criticizing James Wiseman for, uh, you know, because because the thing is, like, a lot of people in Dub Nation, a lot of Warriors fans, like, no matter what Steve Kerr does, they're just going to side with Kerr, right? And maybe he's earned that to a certain degree. I mean, he is he has been the leader of, of four world championship teams, um, and he has nine rings personally when you count the the titles he got as a um, as a player. Uh, Sorry, but but uh, going back to to Wiseman, like so, so he's he's putting he, he that was one of the criticisms that that Kerr kept saying that a lot of fans started buying into is that well Wiseman is not a good rebounder. He has bad hands, right? That was one of the criticism against him. Well, he's in twenty seven minutes of play, he's now averaging nine point three rebounds per game. That's a great number. He's also efficient as a shooter in the sense that he's shooting fifty six percent from the field, um, which is good. I mean, that's not a bad number. And, 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 and he's also averaging a block again. So the why is, uh, so Steve Kerr, for some reason has grown, developed an aversion to bigs. Um, according to Steve Kerr, the issue is that he wants individuals playing who space out the floor. Like he wants Mm -hmm. all five players on the court to be multifaceted. He wants them to be like a Swiss army knife in the sense that they can shoot, they can defend all five positions. Um, they space the floor as a shooting threat. Um, but Jay, I thought James Wiseman filled that role defensively. He was a liability to a certain extent, but the only way he was ever going to get better with that is if he just kept playing him. And mm-hmm. I didn't see him as being like that much of a detriment. He's, you know, I, I don't know, but Curtis didn't like him. Kerr, you know, uh, you know, the trade was largely almost entirely because of Kerr, uh, Bob Myers publicly in a press conference alluded to that. Um, and I don't agree with it. And I, I think it comes down to just Kerr having, uh, trust issues when it comes to certain younger players. And, um, you know, like, and this ties in with the two-way players, like, because, and again, the two-way players, their experience comes largely from college. I mean, they don't have, they didn't have like a ton of NBA experience before this season. Um, but Kerr, for some reason, trusts them. And where I colossally disagree is that we've gone like, you know, five sixths of the way through the NBA season, like seven eighths, whatever it is. And there are 500 teams. So clearly like this strategy has not worked. And the very definition of insanity is just trying the same thing over and over again and expecting different, different results. It's like this experiment is not working. And I'm, gl- and I'm glad to see Moody starting to get a little more run. I'm glad to see Jermichael Green starting to get a little more run because Jermichael Green is, is I think, like the third tallest player on the roster. He's also a six eight six nine. He's he's hovering in that range. But yeah, it's 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 uh, you know, I, I wish the Warriors press pool would would questions Kerr more on that so that all of us had a better understanding as to why Kerr has this huge aversion to James Wiseman and or had it. 
and why he loves these two-way players. But I, I fundamentally disagree. I, I mean, I, last year we saw Kaminga and Moody starting postseason games in a world championship run. And both these players, thankfully Kaminga's playing now, but Kaminga at the beginning of the season was getting DNPs and was not playing much. I think he got, he, I think Kerr started playing Wiseman. I'm sorry. Uh, started playing Kaminga out of necessity just because Kaminga is 6'8 and, and he needed size. And thankfully he did that so that we can see that Kaminga is starting to live up to his potential. Um, I wish he did the same thing with Moody. Uh, I don't have a clear answer for you, except that Steve Kerr has really just stepped away from liking bigs. I mean, ever since um, JaVale McGee, he's really just stopped using them altogether. I mean, in 2020, they brought in Willie Cauley-Stein, who's uh, 7'1". But, uh, you know, that was a short experiment. And since him, they have not been going to bigs. And uh, the why of that, <laughs> I wish someone asked Kerr because I, I can't read his mind, man. I'm sorry for the long-winded answer there. No, of course. But do you see that <laughs> changing with, like, weeks left in the season? In I, wish, the I, wish, I wish the answer was yes. But, um, no, I, <laughs> I, my guess is uh, Steve Kerr, look, he's he's he seems pretty rigid in terms of who he plays. Uh he clearly wants individuals on the roster who um, can thrive in his system. And his system is, is um, brilliant. I mean, his, his system offensively, especially is basically a derivative of Phil Jackson's triangle offense. When you hear people talking about the splits, all that means mm -hmm. is that the ball just keeps swinging around. And every time the ball moves, gets passed uh, the moment the pass is made, you have two players splitting off. Uh, with two other players setting screens for him. And the ball just keeps moving until a player finds themselves in an opportune moment to score. And um, and that's that's what the triangle is. And Steve Kerr runs, you know, a, a version of that. But he also mixes in Popovich's motion style where people are always moving. And it makes it very hard for opposing defenses to defend that. That's where you always uh, hear references to Steve Kerr being so difficult to defend off the ball is because they're always moving. Like you rarely see people standing around all of this year, you're seeing a little more, um, and I don't understand the why of that either. Uh, but the point is, Steve Kerr only wants players who can handle that kind of offense. Like He doesn't like players who uh, prefer the pick and roll. He doesn't like players who um, thrive in isolation, meaning like they just dribble the ball for 5-10 seconds and create their own shot. He's not a fan of that, uh, and rightfully so. But the problem is, a lot of players in the NBA just have a hard time playing in that kind of system. A lot of players don't like that kind of system because that system was not being implemented for most players in college or high school. And so it's something new for a lot of them. And Kerr, just uh, instead of maybe being a little flexible uh, so that you could bring in more talented individuals who can help the team win, his preference is it's either they, players who can thrive in my system or bust. And I think this year that's caught up to him because he's finding that there aren't a lot of players out there uh, who can thrive in a system like that, or maybe it will take them longer than he would like for them to, to, to become familiar in that system. And the result of that is now you have a roster where like Anthony Lamb at 6'5 is one of your primary bigs. And, I, and that's not going to help you. 6'5 is not a big. I mean, that's the height of a, of, a, of a traditional shooting guard. I know he's a tough interior guy and he's got some muscle, but that doesn't change the fact that 6'5 is not going to block shots when the other player is 6'8, 6'9, 6'10. So, um, that's the position they're in now. I hope I answered your question. <laughs> no, no, that, of course, 100% did. Uh, but, yeah, I'm a big believer in the young guy movement. You know, I love Kaminga. And recently when I've seen him uh, during games, he's been playing pretty well. And then Moody as well. Yeah. Um, I do understand the limited minutes. That's not ideal for a guy like Moody because you're giving minutes to Kaminga, but Moody should be involved as well. 
but hey, I'm not. Yeah, I'm and not just sure. to add to that real quick, like imagine if the Warriors at the beginning of the season, right? I mean, we're 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 in game 72, 73. Now the Warriors have nine games remaining, so we played 73. Uh imagine if the Warriors at the beginning of the season, if Kerr and his staff gave Wiseman, gave Moody the type of minutes and run that Kaminga's been getting, that these two-way players have been getting. Because Anthony Lamb, for example, averages over 20 minutes a game. Ty Jerome averages over 18 minutes a game. Imagine if those minutes were given to Moody, to Wiseman. Exactly. If that had happened at the start of the season, these two players would have been developed by now. They would have been, they would have come along and been ready to serve and contribute really positive minutes in the postseason for the Golden State Warriors. But instead, he kept playing these two-way guys. And <laughs> so you haven't seen the progress that you know we, we might have seen. And as a result, I don't know if they're going to be contributing for the postseason. I don't even know if like uh, if they're going to make the postseason. That's still an uncertainty. They got a exactly. huge game against Mavericks tomorrow. So I, I, I'm, yeah. So anyway, sorry. No, I mean you're right. The Western Conference is unbelievably very close. I mean the first, second, and third seed they've kind of distanced themselves off. But we're talking about like the fifth and the tenth seed being like really close to one another. So yeah, like you said, Golden State. We don't know if they're going to be. An, I. I hope so. It'll be nice to see them in their postseason element. We know, you know, Curry and Thompson get their get their mojo rolling when the postseason comes around as well. Uh, I think Draymond Dick has suspended a few games ago for a whole the technical foul situation. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it was. It's not surprising to see Draymond in that element, but that's that's who he is. He's a guy <laughs> that's gonna do those type of things. Um, and I heard someone by the name of Dylan Brooks is trying to copy him, copy Draymond to, in some sort of way, which is kind of annoying, but I won't dive in too much into that because we <laughs> might have a longer conversation if that happens. Um, I know you have to go soon, Cyrus. A few more questions for you. Um, and this is probably one of the bigger questions I had as well. Okay. At home, the Chase Center. Great arena. I love it. I've been, I, w- I went there last week, uh, not last week, last season uh, for okay. a game against the Timberwolves. It was great. The fans are loud. The Warriors play extremely well at home. Then when they leave San Francisco, say, with the exception of yesterday against Houston, yeah. Yeah. they just don't win. Why? Why don't they win outside of San Francisco, but they're just unbelievably great at home? That's a great question. It's a question that <laughs> uh, Steve Kerr has been asked a lot. That is one question they, they uh, the, the, the press pool has asked Steve. Um even Steve Kerr doesn't have a good answer. Uh, so I, besides Locked On Warriors, I host uh, I host two Warriors shows. The other one is uh, the Rick Barry show that I host with Hall of Famer Rick Barry. And I love one of the many reasons why I love doing that show, besides the fact that I, I'm incredibly lucky to call Rick a friend. Uh, and this dates back from the time I worked with him. And this is why I always encourage Nathan, you as a, I guess you're my, you're my current student again. You, you're taking my class. But so all my students, what I recommend strongly is, you know, like if you're aspiring to get into sports media and you want to, you know, get into this game, um, you got to go the internship route. I mean, you don't have to. You could, in theory, make carve your own path by, by you know, creating your own content, uh, you know, whether it's like a YouTube channel or, or um, you know, whatever, whatever the, 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 the platform or format is. But if you go the route where you're interning for like, let's say, like a, a media organization, um, at, at, you're networking at that point. You're developing connections. You're 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 not. You're also adding perspective from other people's viewpoints because you're working with them, talking with them on a daily basis. But the networking is so important. And so when I was like uh, back in college, like you were, Nathan, uh, I interned at a radio station. This was back when radio was a lot more relevant, a lot more powerful, uh, called KNBR. And that's how I met Rick. I, I interned. 
I got my foot in the door. When I got my foot in the door, all I did was just, uh, you know, metaphorically speaking, put my foot on the gas, said yes to everything, uh, try to learn as much as I possibly could to make myself indispensable. Um, and I got rewarded for that by being promoted when I graduated college. And I, I eventually became Rick Barry's executive producer because he had a show on, on KNBR. And that's where the friendship and the relationship started. And um, so for anyone out there who wants to get into this someday, and Nathan, I, it, it looks like you're in the right path as well. And I'm obviously always here to help you in that process. Um, but so Rick, I, I love doing the show with him. He's just a, a great dude. And he's also a brilliant, he has a brilliant basketball mind as a Hall of Famer, right? So I run a lot of what I like talk about on Locked On Warriors. Um, I run first through Rick and a few other individuals who I consider like trustworthy insiders, uh, other players or former players, other coaches. I try to run these ideas through as many people as possible before I express them as my own because um, I, I, I want to get their perspective. I don't want to just you know, just run my mouth, like with just my sole opinions without uh, wonder, without hearing what, what other people think about it as well. And so Rick, because we work together, I talk to him far more than anyone else. And, uh, and I love picking his brain. And one of the things I picked his brain about, sorry to go off on like a five minute thing about this simple question here, but uh, <laughs> is the warriors and why they're so awful on the road versus at home. And, and to put it in perspective for the people watching this right now or listening, the warriors right now, on the road have a eight and 29 record. Yes. Last night we're recording this, uh, what's today, Tuesday. Uh, so we're recording mm -hmm. this right after the, the, the Rockets game, the Rockets are the worst team in the NBA, uh, record wise, second worst, I'm sorry, record wise after the, uh, Detroit Pistons. Um, but the Warriors, uh, beat the Rockets on the road. Otherwise they're eight and 29. That is absolutely awful. They own the what third worst record, uh, on the road in the NBA, if I'm not mistaken, they're eight and 29. I think, uh, the Houston Rockets have a worse road record, maybe. I mean, I don't have the percentages in front of me, but I know the Warriors have one of the worst road records. Uh, they're currently on pace to have the worst road record by a defending world champion in NBA history. The only team I think that has a worse road record than them are the 1999 Chicago Bulls. And the 99 Chicago Bulls were not trying to repeat as world champions. That was a team that the dynasty had broken up. They were an awful team heading for the lottery. Uh, so the road thing is concerning, um, and, and a lot of it is focus. A lot of it is that the team, when they're on the road, uh, they, they're just not as locked in as they are at home. Um, I, my opinion is, and, and Rick did agree with me on this as well, is that the Warriors, because like their bench this year is so much worse than last year, um, mm -hmm. they got rid of all their veterans. The why of that? I don't know. Like, you know, yeah, they saved a little money. I guess because Damian Lee and Juan Toscano Anderson's veteran minimum contracts are going to be higher than uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr.'s or Ryan Rollins with their rookie deals. Um, but I mean, the, the difference by a billionaire standard is so minuscule. It's ridiculous that they did not bring back at least Damian Lee and Juan Toscano Anderson to have some veterans on that bench. So instead you have all this youth, you have uh, a role players on the team, like, like the two way players who are getting a lot of minutes and role players just thrive a lot more at home versus on the road simply for the, the the crowd. I mean, they feed off the energy at Chase Center, one of the best arenas, I think, ever. I mean, it, I mean, I understand anyone who's critical of the Warriors leaving Oakland for San Francisco, especially when considering they left Oracle Arena, which had one of the greatest home court advantages ever in NBA history. But damn, did the Warriors do a good job uh, coming close to replicating that with Chase Center. It's a beautiful arena, like you said. Love the place. 
But I, to me, it's just the, the bench, the, the role players. Um, you have a bench that is just really weak to begin with. Uh, you have a lot of role players that are young, inexperienced, unproven. Um, and players like that struggle when they're on the road. And so the Warriors, every time they go on the road, um, you you know, between all the injuries this year to begin with, but just the fact that you routinely have a, a bench that consists of, I mean, like your primary bench players are Jordan Poole, who is still young. Mm-hmm. He's 23, right? Yes. Uh, and this year he's had a much worse run than <clears throat> than people anticipated. Uh, you could say he's regressed in terms of his shooting percentage. But you have Jordan Poole, you have uh, Jonathan Kaminga, you have Ty Jerome, you have Anthony Lamb, and then you have other players like Patrick Baldwin Jr., Ryan Rollins when he was playing, uh, Moses Moody, and all. And so all of these players I listed are really young, really inexperienced, really unproven. And these are like literally role players uh, by definition. And and through the history of the game, role players like this, inexperienced young players like this, they just struggle on the road. And the Warriors have a lot of those kinds of players on their team. Um, now, should the should the team have played this badly as a road team? No. Uh, and and I, you know <laughs> there is there is no clear cut answer. A lot of this is just like what the hell is going on. My my belief is. This, this the bench is incredibly inexperienced and young and unproven. And when you have that many players like that on your on your bench, um, they're going to impact your team when you're on the road and, and struggle. And, and that's my guess for it. Um, some people say it could be the championship hangover and that the veterans just don't have that aggressiveness and hunger uh, when they travel on the road. They're just borderline apathetic. Draymond Green made, has made references like that on his podcast, saying that he doesn't get out of bed in March. Right. He's 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 made comments mm-hmm. like that. Um, so those are the reasons why I think, but I don't think there's anyone that can really pinpoint it regardless. It is awful, man. <laughs> it's just awful. I mean, at, at this point, the only thing we can do is just hope that the Warriors kind of turn this whole road thing around when the play, if they make the playoffs and, uh, when they're in that playoff scenario, it's like, okay, can we go to a Los Angeles or a Sacramento or Denver and sort of fight our way through Maybe just get one road win and then take care of the rest at home. Right. Because we know when the Warriors right. are at home, they just they just go completely off. Uh, last question, though. Yeah. Is Steve Kerr really on the hot seat? No, or, no, I don't are, think. No, no. I, I don't. I, hot, no, I don't think he's on the hot seat. But um, the Warriors are in a, in a weird position right now because Bob Myers is on. Uh, the last year of his contract. So when this season ends, he could, in theory, just go wherever he wants, which is kind of a crazy situation. Um, and he and and Joe Lake has made a minimum of two contract proposals to Bob Myers as, as extensions. He's turned both of those down. The why of that, we don't know. Um, but Steve Kerr is going to be a lame duck coach next year. He is going to have one year remaining on his deal after this season. Um, so w- when you ask me, like, is Steve Kerr on the hot seat? That usually implies, like, is he in danger of being fired? No, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think it would be a little uh, kind of crazy if 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 that was a serious discussion happening behind the scenes. What I do think is a possibility, though, is that the Warriors, if this season ends badly, like let's say, you know, they they get bounced early. Let's say they're a playing team and don't even get out of the play-in. Uh, let's say they don't even make the playoffs, worst case scenario. Um, you might see a, a situation where Joe Lacob sees this roster, sees where the team is going with the veterans aging and no longer uh, at a point in their careers where like the big three alone could carry the, the, the whole team. 
to glory. Um, and you're seeing all these young players emerging, Jonathan Kaminga, potentially the next superstar for this team. Um, you might see a scenario where Steve Kerr is not offered a contract extension and mm. is basically told by management, um, let's let this year play out. And Steve Kerr at that point would probably just walk away. I can't see Steve Kerr, like if that scenario was presented where that where management, the, the ownership basically told him, yeah, we're going to wait. Let's wait another, let's wait until next year. And then um, let's wait until next year. And then we'll, we'll, we'll visit your contract. So I don't think Steve Kerr would go for that. And he'd probably just step down to that point. Um, okay. That's, that's where I could see Steve Kerr leaving. Um, if the Warriors have another successful season, especially if they repeat, which would be, I mean, God, man, if, if yeah. the Warriors did that, I, I, I will n- never criticize Kerr again. I, and I'll, I've, this is the first place I've said that. And I'll say it everywhere else as well, but you, this is your, your exclusive. If Steve Kerr, if the Warriors win a fifth title this year, I will never criticize Steve Kerr again because that'll be such an unbelievable coaching job to pull this team out from the rubble that they're in right now. Um, but, but yeah, I, so that, I hope that answers your question. If, if they win Definitely. a title, he will get an extension. I think he'll get an extension. He'll get carte blanche. You, you do whatever the hell you want for the next five, 10 years. Um, if the Warriors have a bad ending to this season, I could see Kerr leaving, but not in terms of being like on a hot seat where he's fired. I think it would be more along the lines of ownership, basically just not expressing confidence in him in terms of giving him a new deal. And Steve Kerr, who does have an ego, um, will look at that one year remaining one year remaining on his deal and go, hell no, I'm out and either retire or just sit out for a year and then and then decide his future. Um, that's what I see happening ultimately. All right, we'll see what happens with the Warriors as they try to get into the playoffs in a very competitive, I guess, right way to describe it, Western Conference. Cyrus yeah, Sox is the host of the lockdown. It's great to How are you feeling about your exactly. Lakers, by the way? Like, I know LeBron's coming back. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts about that? Your Lakers. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Of course, we're like one day we're in the ninth seed, the next day we're out, the next day we're in the tenth seed, and it's just – it's crazy. And I heard LeBron might not even make it back for the rest of the regular season. There's hope, you know, there's hope that he'll, he'll be back. But uh, without LeBron, I'm a bit questionable as long as AD Anthony Davis uh, can stay healthy and uh, D'Angelo Russell can sort of get things rolling again. He's kind of had a little bit of a slump, not a major slump, but a little bit of a slump. Uh, but if he can get things rolling again, the rest of the Lakers um, can hit their shots. Austin Reeves was outstanding the other night. He was, um, by the way, but he was. Yes, he, <laughs> I was surprised. I mean, what a guy. I mean, if we can sort of sign him to an extension instead of letting him go, like you did with Caruso, I think um, the Lakers uh, as a whole would look better. Uh, just keeping everyone doesn't it that we bother have right you now. when you? No, I agree. And doesn't it bother you when your owners decide not to spend the money? Like I, I like like the out like losing Alex Caruso had almost the exact same impact as the Warriors losing Gary Payne the second. And in both cases, it was because ownership did not want to spend that extra money. Um, and it sucks. I don't know how you feel. Exactly. About it, but I, I, yeah. I don't like it too, but Hey, I, I hope we don't make the same, as long as we don't make the same mistake, I think we'll be okay. And if we can just sort of just claw our way through and have the chips fall our way, I think if we just get into the play in, I, I hope, and I feel like we can fight our way into the playoff picture and maybe make some noise. Who knows? I mean, we are the Lakers, right? You have LeBron James, yep. you have Anthony Davis. That has to count for something. Uh, Cyrus. <laughs> yep. So we'll see, but I hope the same for golden state. 
as the rest of the household would probably get on me if I somehow uh, make fun <laughs> of them because they're not playing as well as they used to, and that's concerning for Golden State, but we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully, brighter days are ahead uh, in San Francisco. Cyrus Sots is the host of the Lockdown Warriors podcast, my closest sort for Warriors news because I – Cyrus, whenever Warriors news comes out, I go to you first. I always check Thanks, man. to see – uh, that's uh, very kind of you and nathan you know, let, uh, i love yeah invite me anytime man i'll come back on your show i promise if yes, you want thank you cyrus no 100 of course i would <laughs> thank you cyrus for your time i appreciate you. it i hope you have a great day and i'll talk to you soon thanks nathan take care man thank you you too sir